This week's performance anxiety features Eric Lopez. He plays Hector in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. He's also a student athlete and an entrepreneur. We talk about his time in Carrollton, Texas, and how he went from high school drama and basketball to acting in L.A. Check him out on social media and give us a follow at Performance ANX on Twitter and Instagram. And don't forget to rate and review our shows on iTunes or any other platform you listen. Please enjoy Performance Anxiety with Eric Lopez. Hey, this is Eric Lopez from Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, and you're listening to Performance Anxiety. So what I want to do is start with really who you're not, because in researching you, I found out there are a lot of Eric Lopez's. There's a lot. You are not a gymnast. You're not a boxer. You're not the colonel in the United States Army. You're not a linebacker for the UTEP Miners, or a jockey, a saxophonist, a PhD candidate. You're not a transportation coordinator, the associate professor at the Department of Software Engineering and Information Technology of the Ecole des Technologies Supérieures of the University of Quebec in Montreal, Canada. A Cal student, a Cal, a Caltech student, or a deceased 36-year-old. Right, right. Okay, right. so you're none of those guys. You are the actor, Eric Lopez. Yes, the actor. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, I really appreciate you coming on with me and spending a couple minutes uh, talking about your career and, and uh, what you've been up to and, and hopefully some projects that are that are coming up. Thank you for, for coming on with me. Yeah, yeah, no problem. It's awesome. You didn't start out acting. You you started out more as an athlete. Is that right? Correct. Yeah, I was uh, I was doing basketball growing up and played for my high school. And that was in Carrollton, Texas. Yeah, Carrollton. It's uh, it's essentially so it's Dallas, Texas, a little bit north of Dallas. Um, usually, I just say Dallas because it's it's easy to pinpoint on the map. But it's probably about <laughs> like twenty twenty minutes north of Dallas. Okay. City. Okay. All right. Well, let's go. Now, how big was your school? I mean, were you, uh, and, and, and were you like one of the stars of the basketball team or? Oh, no. <laughs> um, you know, I, I was one of those guys that, uh, you know, I, I played the supporting role really well. Uh, it kind of stemmed from whenever I was, I was kind of younger, uh, maybe eighth grade, freshman year. I, I had a coach, uh, especially going into freshman year, who really pushed me to be more aggressive and, and be that guy, be the star. And he's like, you got to shoot more. You got to do this. You got to do that. And I started doing that and I was scoring like more points and I was, you know, getting to that point. But then I overheard some friends in the locker room. I guess I could call them friends. They're not really, really friends. But they're oh. Other teammates okay. <laughs> that were like, yeah, that they were like, um, man, Eric Cabaha, man, like he's like, you know, shooting it. Oh. Uh, and, yeah, I know, and and it hurt. And I was—I remember talking to my best friend on the team, and I was just like, "Man, like I need to stop shooting." He's like, "Don't listen to those guys. Like, if you're scoring and we're winning games, like whatever." And I took it to heart because you know, being in high school and especially freshman year, you want to make friends, you want everyone to like you. Yep. So I—I uh, I started being—I played more of a supporting role. Like, if if we're down, I'll, I'll pick up the pace, but for the most part, I kind of let everyone else get their fix. And it's funny because the people that were complaining that I was being a ball hog, they in turn wanted it was because they wanted to be the star and they wanted to be the ball hog. Oh man, it's always the case. Uh, yeah, of course. So so yeah, just going that path, I I never was uh, 
too assertive as far as like trying to push myself to be the main guy on the team and be too vocal. I was just like, hey, you know, I'm here. I'm going to do my work. I'm going to do it well. And uh, I'll fit in wherever you guys need me. So, oh, yeah, good. that's my athletic career in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's serving you well now. So, well, who was your team, though? Because now you're not originally from Texas. You were born in California, right? Yeah, I was born in California. I was here for uh, about uh, four years. And my parents, after the Northridge earthquake, they were like, we got to get out of here. Oh, so, God, yeah. Um, yeah, we, we moved out, and, and I was essentially raised for the rest of my life in Texas. And uh, you know. So who are your teams? Uh, for sure, the Dallas Cowboys. I even they, that. they have a huge fan base in, in California as well. Oh, but they got a fan base everywhere. I'm, in DC, I'm just outside of D.C., and you know this is Redskins territory, and... Man, there are Cowboys fans coming out of the woodwork. It's just, it's insane. Oh, really? Oh, my God. dude! They probably show their, their faces. Oh, yeah. They, 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 well, now, yeah, they've been hiding them for a little while. But it's funny, if you ever go to FedEx Field, it's it's possibly the, and then this is not just me saying this from experience, because I'm not even really a Redskins fan. I didn't grow up in this area, really. But uh, th- this has actually been voted on. It's, FedEx Field for the Redskins is possibly one of the two worst stadium experiences in the NFL. And it's not just, Oh, well, it's not just for the high price of, of food and drinks. It's the awful parking because there's, I think there's one way in and one way out into the stadium. The parking lot is awful. And the, uh, the fan experience is, is ridiculous because Washington being such a transient area, you have fans of almost every team in the area. And one of the big problems with government, yeah, you get a lot of government people here. And one of the big problems is when when the Skins play, I mean, it's at best, it's maybe split 50-50 between the Redskins and whoever they're playing. So the fan, the opposing fans will, will take over the stadium, especially, especially Dallas and Pittsburgh. Man, that's crazy. I did not know that. Oh, I know that happened here in L.A. Uh, I guess whenever the Eagles were rolling pretty well uh, last year. Yeah. Uh, they were playing, I think they were playing the Rams last year, yeah. And then a buddy of mine went, and he was like, it was the majority of the crowd was Eagles fans. That's crazy. I mean, man, God bless him for having great fans. A, a friend of mine is a really big Eagles fan, but I hate him. I hate the Eagles. <laughs> I gotta, I've got to tell you. But you know, if your fans travel, you, you know that that's that's good for the for, for them. Horrible if you're the opposing team. So, <laughs> right, so, so you yeah, you Cowboys exactly. fan. So getting all kind of a little off off the topic here. You think Dak's the the uh, quarterback of the future in Dallas? You know, uh, I at first I said absolutely, and then whenever we were going through that rough period in the beginning of the season, it was very hard to tell. I didn't want to be like, oh, no, he's not our quarterback because I felt like he didn't have the right weapons. Um, okay. So as soon as we got Amari, I was like, okay, now that we have Amari, like, now is his time to prove is he going to be our quarterback in, in the next couple, couple uh, coming years or what. And because he was able to, like, you know, show up and Amari, like, fit in like a glove and everything's rolling, I think he's kind of proven himself. Uh, we have to win a playoff game, though. If, if he doesn't win a playoff game in the next – you know, if he doesn't have a big iconic moment uh, in the next two years, I think we're gonna try to draft someone else. But, yeah, uh, I hope he does. He seems like a really nice guy. So. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And I I love Amari Cooper. I'm a 
big Alabama fan. I moved up to uh, Virginia from Alabama. I'm a huge, huge Crimson Tide fan. So I love seeing my guys do well. And uh, nice. it, I'm, I'm glad to see Amari having like a resurgence in his career because he was starting to, he was struggling at, in, in uh, Oakland there for a while. So, so, but. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's great that it's happening now on, with the Cowboys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and I, I actually, I was born in Texas and uh, I, I kind of grew up a, a Cowboy fan. I don't really follow a team in the NFL. I, I gravitated more towards college and I follow my Crimson Tide guys in the NFL. So it's hard for me to watch Dak doing well because he went to Mississippi State. But <laughs> I'm glad he's doing well with Amari. So, <laughs> yeah. so all right. So you, well, it, is Dallas your team in, in all the sports? You, you uh, Spurs and Stars fan? or Right. I Yeah, I would say pretty, uh, pretty much across the board. Uh, yeah, Stars, uh, Rangers. Uh, mostly I stick to the... the the teams I, I hardcore follow are the, the Mavericks and um, and the Cowboys. Uh, I used to be a big Rangers fan back whenever uh, I lived there, and I could actually go to the games. Uh, oh, a little nice. bit tougher. Yeah, it's a little bit tougher. I mean, uh, to, to keep up with with baseball uh, during the regular season, but during the playoffs, it's always great to see the Rangers do well. Oh yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, was, I was a big Rangers fan myself because uh, when I started really following sports as Living well, I spent most of my childhood either between Virginia and New Jersey. Um, but when I started really following sports, I asked my dad, like, "Hey, all right, so where was I? Where was I? I'm from Texas. What are what are Texas teams?" What? So he threw them out, and I'm like, "All right, those are my teams." So Rangers, <laughs> yep. Cowboys. So, but uh, anyway, so you you were uh, you were an athlete in, in school, and where did the turn towards acting come in? The turn happened uh, kind of it, it happened through an accident I was playing basketball it was like early on in the season of my junior year and I I came down I got a rebound and I came down uh, and I landed on someone's foot so I twisted my ankle pretty bad uh, tore like yeah I tore a ligament and I actually had to be in a cast so oh. out for, <laughs> for a bit Jeez. Um, yeah it was pretty bad I yeah it was pretty bad and then during that time, you know, I, I had so much like, you know, energy and I, I wanted to focus on something because, you know, basketball mother was my life. All my friends were in basketball. So I'm like, what can I focus my energy on? And I was actually taking a drama class at the exact same time. And because I was in that drama class, they, uh, I didn't have to run around or do anything. I just had to recite lines and it was pretty much like reading and, you know, playing off that. So I was like, okay. So I focused all my time and energy on making sure that I was, you know, for fun. I was like, oh, like, I'm going to focus on this monologue that we have to do. Okay. So for like a month, a month and a half, we had like a monologue. Maybe, maybe it wasn't a month and a half. It was, it was a pretty significant amount of time that we had a monologue to memorize and kind of work with. And I did the monologue, uh, I think for our midterms or something. And the, uh, the drama uh, teacher came up and he was like, Hey, I think you should actually consider this like long-term, you know? And oh, cool. I think he was just, I think he was just buttering me up cause he wanted more guys. To <laughs> <laughs> I knew what he was doing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but obviously it worked. It worked because, you know, on one hand of the spectrum, I was getting uh, like on, on the basketball team, like our, the coach was upset that, you know, I went, 
to the doctor and he was like, oh, why'd you go to the doctor? Now you're in a cast. Now you won't be able to take the cast off and oh, God. You know, varsity outs and stuff. So they were, there, there was always like salt being thrown, like, oh, you got to do this, you got to do that. And it's like they never really focused on things that I was doing well. Um, uh, it was just kind of like, hey, you're doing, and I'm like, man, I feel like I'm not even wanted here, you know? Oh, wow. uh, even though I was I was getting playing time, I was doing well. Like they were super nice guys, but I just felt like they already had their favorites. And um, yeah, I don't know. It was it was a very tough situation because it, that was that happening on one side, and then on the other side, you have this really enthusiastic drama, you know, teacher who's like, "We'll work with your schedule and just let us know, and you know, uh, you, you know, we can work with you." And I think you should do this. He was just super encouraging. Um, and, and everything that I was doing, I was like, oh, wow, like, I feel actually wanted here. All right, so, so what, what uh, was his name? Give me his name, because we, we can, uh, we, maybe we can get this out to him somehow. Oh, no, I, I had to follow up. His name is David Crutcher. I think he's uh, he's still teaching probably somewhere in Knoxville, but I, I had to follow up because later on, once I finally got on Crazy X and everything, I, I'm like, man, I need to go back and find where he is, because I need to thank him. And, um, my, my wife's actually from uh, Nashville, okay. and we made the trek out to Knoxville uh, a few Christmases ago, and I met up with them for dinner, and we just, you know, caught oh. up, so it was pretty fun. Dude, that's awesome. That is really yeah. cool. All right, so so you, you, you start this transition from uh, athlete to actor. Was it something, did you just jump right into it, or were you a little hesitant at first? Because I know uh, I, I have friends out in LA right now who had went, went a similar path, uh, injured playing one was he's injured playing football and he had to take an acting class and he just kind of was going through it cause he had to. And then suddenly just slowly realized, I love this. This is great. Or was it for you? Was it something like you just immediately knew? I think it was something like that. I immediately recognized that I, it was a challenge for sure. At okay. first it was a artistic challenge. Like, Oh wow. Like how do I, you know, I thought making someone laugh was actually easy. I was like, I was like, Oh, you can just make someone laugh because the words are so good, especially coming from theater. Like some of the dialogue and the scenarios were so great that I'm like, Oh, there's not much of a challenge, but I'm like, so I lean more towards dramatic stuff. I'm like, how can I make this real but on stage? And I don't know. I, I just lean more towards that. And, okay. um, yeah, I mean, I just, I think transitioning from sports, being an athlete and training your entire life, really, you you know what practice is like, you know what it's like to be in a big game, right. you know where your mindset can be. So I kind of took that same kind of formula and I did the same thing for uh, doing a play or doing a monologue. You know, I rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. And then, you know, the day of, I kind of like try to be loose and try to like, you know, be open to whatever happens. And, uh, and then once you're actually playing, you know, just be, be like water, you know, like yeah. go with the flow, you know? So then and your background in sports helped you out because I, I, I heard of this thing that you got involved in and I call it a thing. I hate saying that, but I, I don't know exactly what else to call it until I jump into it. You got involved in competitive acting tournaments. What what the hell is a competitive tour, uh, acting tournament? I I did I um, yeah it was a competitive acting tournament. I was very intrigued by this. So after 
so that semester that was her and I made the make the switch to acting full time, I had a decision to make that summer. Uh, my senior year, going into my senior year, am I going to go back to basketball or am I going to do acting full time? So I decided at the end of my junior year to quit basketball and to focus on acting full time. Okay. Um, and and then as I was mentioning that I wanted to go, you know, face for like you know, had, like just completely dive into acting, everything that was acting. And okay. so I asked the people, the, the coach, and I'm you know, oh, sorry, the, the acting, the drama teacher, and other other actors, other thespians in the in the drama department, what's the best way that I can keep doing this? And everyone kept on saying, oh, well, you have to do uh, interpretation, like interp. So pretty much what it is, is you go to different schools. So different schools have tournaments, right? On okay. weekends or during, or sometimes during the week. But you show up, you dress nice, right? Because you're, you're with the debate people. It's debate and inter- interpretation. So you dress oh, nice, okay. you're all dressed up, and um, you're not dressed like the character or anything. So you're all dressed uh, like, you know, like usually button-up suit or whatever. So like you're going to a and, debate. And, yeah, it, essentially like you're dressed like you're going to a debate or just like a button-up, um, which was kind of weird to me. But I got it because I understood what they were trying to do because they're trying to not – they're trying to like have you focus, the judges focus on your performance and not necessarily what you're wearing. Okay. So I thought that was pretty cool. So then you end up going into these rooms, right? So you show up, you know, you're like, all right, cool. I'm here for the tournament. And there is essentially like a playoff bracket, right? (laughs) There's a a bunch of different, (laughs) there's a bunch of different uh, rooms. And let's just say, for example, you, you have a, there's dramatic pieces. So you do a dramatic monologue. You can do a comedic piece. So that's a separate bracket. Those are completely different competitions. You can do a duet where you do something with someone else. Or you can do a duo, which is the same as a duet, except you can't touch or look at each other. Um, uh, what? Yeah, it's what fascinating. Kind? You're both looking. <laughs> I don't know what is the what is the practical purpose of that though. <laughs> I don't get that. It's, it's, the creative, the creativity of it is like astounding. Like, really? You're, yeah, you're literally. I, I had to like slowly get into that because at first I did a dramatic and comedic and a duet. And I did uh, the best with my duet because it's very easy to play off someone. Right. Um, the monologues and, and comedic monologues were a little bit tougher uh, for me just because I felt like it was, I don't know, I, I was too aware. Like you're in a room in a, uh, what's it called, in a classroom, and you're, you have a judge like probably a, like two feet away from you sitting in a you know, desk, and you have other students, like other competitors, like in desks, watching you oh, and some of them God. are enthralled some of them are like watching you and they're like yeah and then other ones are like just like staring you down oh geez. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just like too aware of like the situation when because it's like if you're doing a, a scene with a reader or if you're reacting off someone that's one thing but if you're literally like just doing a monologue and talking to the air like i i wasn't skilled in uh public speaking so i became very nervous oh and I, that was you know, my strong suit yeah <laughs> <laughs> man see uh, yeah that's crazy see, that that wasn't what i was picturing at all i was picturing something more like have you ever heard of chess boxing chess boxing though okay so what it is is it's two guys in a ring with boxing gloves on and they they make chess moves and then the once they're done they box around and then they come back to the chess game oh wow 
Wow. And it, it's it's really bizarre. It's very <laughs> look it up somewhere because it's it's really we. I can't decide if I'm fascinated by it or just think it's the dumbest thing in the world. But that's kind of what I was picturing. Like like, but I was picturing a bunch of kids acting and then beating each other up and then going to another room to do a different scene and then fighting. <laughs> So now I guess it's not what it is. Not, not what I was thinking at all. So I'm yeah, glad you get it's, it's, it's interesting because like the way you advance is the judge gives you a score. So there, let's just say there's like anywhere between like five or six people to 10 people in the room. Okay. There's several different rooms. And the only way you advance to the next round is if you're one of the top three people. So you get a number you're like one, two, three, one means that you did the best out of the entire you know room. Uh, so honestly, it really depends on you could be in a room full of just awesome people and there could be another room where everyone like is not as good or prepared and they like they still have to advance three people and the people that were better in the other room got, you know, kind of screwed out of it. So, so it was a very weird system. Yeah. That's, so and so do you pick one room per tournament and, and you're there for that's your tournament is that, that room? Or can you go from room to room? Is there enough time to go from room to room? Um, so the so you you can pick whatever like I guess category you want. Like if you want to do a comedic piece, dramatic piece, duet, whatever, all that has to be assigned beforehand. And then once you get there, they tell you which room you're going to be in. Ah. And then you're always con- you're constantly switching rooms. So maybe the judge might stay there, and then another batch of people might come in. But for the most part. Uh, you're constantly like going from this room to the next room. If you're doing multiple tournaments, if oh, you're only wow. doing like dramatic, then you pretty much just do that and you wait for the results. Wow. So, so if you want to do more than one, you've got to be even, well, God, even if you just pick one, you've got to be prepared because you could be doing multiple scenes in, in, in one tournament then. So it's, yeah, there's it, people that were good at it. There are people that just did everything, every single like comedic duet, duo, like all of them. And they killed it. They would always go to the finals in every single one. You're like, how are you so good at this? You know, but, how do you have time to do all that? <laughs> I mean, just getting from one room to the another would, would take time. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, once you memorize the lines and everything, it's just like doing a performance over and over again. Um, but yeah, it was, it was pretty fascinating. We got pretty far with the duet and the duo that I did was pretty good. So, uh, yeah, no, no mistake there that my best stuff was not by myself. <laughs> so that, so all of that kind of gave you some chops to, to start doing it professionally. And your first, I think your first paying gig was for Dick Sporting Goods. Is that right? right? Yeah, I, I had a, I had a buddy in, in class, in my uh, theater class who quit football and he wanted to do this professionally and he had the same mentality he's like yo you know we have to get this money i'm trying to get this money man and then i'm like i'm like how do you get this money and she was like you have to get an agent you have, damn it you have to get an agent that's that's what i'm 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 missing that part right now damn it took me yeah. took me to be so, 45 to hear that damn it <laughs> Thank yeah, you. and I was hearing it while I was still in high school. So it's kind of crazy. To I, I recently did a talk. I went back to um, Texas. They they had a Texas Thespian Festival, so it's a statewide uh, festival for uh, theater, like students and teachers, where they perform. 
perform and they get to do workshops. Okay. So I did a workshop, uh, I guess, speaker or instructor or something, and I did a couple workshops for the kids. I did about like 15 workshops, and I did a uh, just to like inform everyone on things that I wish I would have known. And I'm like, this is kind of cool that I literally was sitting where they were um, not too long ago and, you know, moved to L.A. and, you know, I'm on a show and I've been on other shows. So it's like I just wanted to give back any information that I wish I would have known whenever I was still in high school. Well, and you're doing that on your own as well with your own podcast, right? Right. Yeah. That, and then the podcast is another way that I can do it. Uh <laughs> yeah, it's, it's tough to stay on schedule with that. With I was everything going on. I was going to rip on you a little bit for that because I listened to all five of your episodes, and I believe the last one it was, like a was part. Yeah, it was supposed supposed to be part one of a four part series, and you left me hanging, dude. I know. I need to come back to it. I've, been, I've heard it from all angles, and I think I just—I honestly need to just like sit down, crank them all out, and then release them for like the holidays or something. See, uh, exactly. But those—they actually, and, and in all fairness, they're good. They—they give you some. They give uh, you know perspective actors good advice. You know your work. You're drawn from your own experience, and that's really valuable. So I'm not going to rip on you too much for not having updated it in six months. Oh gosh, yeah, it's been six months. Just, just a little, <laughs> and I'm still waiting for part two of the four part series. So, all right, you know what? It's it's happening. It's uh, happening. We're I'm, I'm putting it out there. All right, it's good. Happen. Good. Awesome. Now I want to I want to find out a little bit more about another. Uh, before we get into what you know, what you're really known for here, I want to find out a little bit more about what you're not known for. How is that rap career going? Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, uh, it's, it's not really a career. It's, uh, it started off in elementary school, me just kind of writing little raps and wanting to be like you know, Eminem, Eminem or 50 Cent, you know? God, you're making me feel old, dude. <laughs> <laughs> elementary school and Eminem don't go together for me. It's like, you know, my second or third job in Eminem. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, I'm old. I'm I'm a. Uh, it's, all, yeah. it's okay. I'll I'll be telling kids about like Eminem. They'll be like, "Who?" Yeah, those are delicious. Yeah, the the candy. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So elementary school and Eminem. Go ahead. I interrupted you. I'm sorry. No, no, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I was doing that, and then uh, as I was going on, I. I think the big switch was whenever I got a MacBook and I had GarageBand and I was like, oh, snap, I can put in a track here and I can like do my own vocals and all that stuff. <laughs> so uh, I started playing around with that and I started, then slowly I got a microphone and then I started, you know, I actually, you know, not many songs were released, but I actually did, I probably done at least like 30 or 40 songs. Oh, and, man. Um, They've all just like, you know, like, and I've probably written way more. I've probably written like at least like a hundred something songs, but I've just kept them all like to myself because, um, I, I feel like I'm a perfectionist and I just like, I'm like, Oh no, it's not good enough. Or, Oh no, this isn't good. Yeah. So I think the only thing I've really released that I've shown like a lot of people is something I did for fun 
with a, a buddy of mine because we would always like freestyle. And then I'm like, dude, we just need to make a song. We just need to make a song. So we made a song and I put it on YouTube and we made a we made a music video in his apartment. I was like, let's just do this. And I edited it together. It's all goofy, <laughs> but um, yeah, that was the extent of my rapping career. Uh, well, yeah. you, look, you don't know unless you try it. So you gotta you gotta go out and try it, right? Yeah, I think that's. Uh, I I think one of the things that I wrote down with whenever I'm like I want to look back on life and say I I'm, I I don't want to look back and regret that I didn't do something. And one of those things is make a mixtape. So I want to make a full out mixtape, just make it fun and just have it done. And that's one of the things I want to have done and not regret I didn't do. You know. So was was you. Your musical background. Now, do, you, do you play any instruments, or is it strictly rapping I, and Garage Band? Yeah, and Garage Band. Um, I'm trying to think. I I think early on I had a fascination with piano, but not um, not your traditional, you know, classical stuff. I had a fascination with taking R and B songs, oh. or uh, or like you know, popular pop songs, and finding a way, finding covers online playing like hooks or playing like melodies on the piano because that was really fun i'm like i'm like man everyone that plays piano they they kind of just play like the same old like you know classical some beautiful songs right but i'm like I, I really like the popular stuff um but in a classical like you know piano way so i would find covers online and practice doing that or practice doing r&b covers and stuff and it was pretty cool uh to find all that stuff uh, yeah and then i and then like you know i think most recently, I got into guitar. I did a play here in LA, and I had a few months, and I had a lot of downtime. So I picked up a guitar, and I kind of taught myself a few, few little things here and there. Um, yeah, I don't know. Nice. I think I'm someone that just like loves. I, I just love uh, the creative side of a lot of things. So that was musical instruments is always going to be like there to like play around with. So did your Somewhat, did did your I guess maybe fascination with music was that what drew you to Crazy Ex Girlfriend? Because I'll be honest with you, I I, I don't know many uh, musical comedies. I, I especially on you know as as a TV series, I haven't seen a whole lot of them. So it, it, it's really unique, and but I don't think that's something that everybody would be drawn to uh, from an acting standpoint, and and let alone be successful at so going in i'm assuming you knew what it was when when you went for the audition um was that something that drew you to that series as something you wanted to do the fact that it was musical i actually had no idea really oh that's even better yeah yeah i had no idea i i remember i was on a, a tv show called baking it on tv and that was a comedy and um, I, I don't know. It was, it was kind of interesting how that audition for Crazy X came about because essentially it wasn't there wasn't any sides for it. Uh, but they gave me ahead of time. They were just like, "Hey, show up. You know, we'll give you the sides on the spot." Okay, so now and, just just in case, what do you mean by a side? Oh, uh, sides is in like a, your script, like for your audition. Okay. So for example, if, yeah, if, if I was going to go in for. Uh, bad guy number three or something like that in a TV show, I would get an email saying, hey, this is where you have to go. This is what time you have to be there. Um, and you would have the, the size, which is like your script, which which means it's only like two or three pages sometimes. Maybe ah, like okay. pages. 
Oh, so like the side of a page. Yeah. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Yeah. So you're not getting the full, full script, but you're getting like your, a a piece of it. So they call them sides. Okay. That makes Uh, a lot of sense. yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So then I, they didn't send those. So all I had to really work off of was, it was a new show called Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Uh, it was starring Rachel Bloom and um, other you know Broadway stars. And I I looked up Rachel and I'm like, okay, I I don't know exactly how they're gonna make this music video like YouTube sensation into a TV show, but I think her stuff is funny. Like I thought her music videos were really funny, so I'm like, I trust that it's you know gonna be funny because. Her stuff's funny, right? And then, uh, and then, uh, and then, and then the the side the breakdown was that this character was a stoner. So I'm like, okay, well, what can I do to like kind of stand out? And I just essentially was going through my closet, and I had recently come back from Hawaii, and I had a Hawaiian shirt. So I was like, you know what? Maybe this guy's like a surfer, you know? So I I threw on the Hawaiian shirt, <laughs> I put on a bandana. You know, I rolled up a bandana and I put it on my head and I tied it up and I showed up and I just, you know, my whole mentality was he's not stoned. He's just super chill and happy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like that. So, yeah. And then once I finally got showed up, everyone else was like in a typical kind of like stonery type of wardrobe, which is like hoodie, jeans, you know, uh, big jacket, you know, almost like they're... They're either like they don't care, or they're like on the couch all day. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh man, either I hit a home run or I'm gonna get kicked out. Of the <laughs> <laughs> Showing up in my Hawaiian shirt while in like bright colors, all these all these other guys are coming in with like gray, you know, jacket and like looking super mellow, <laughs> filthy, and oh man. Yeah. So it was it was tough, but I went in there and uh, they gave me the sides. And immediately I I read the dialogue and I was like, wow. I with this i totally understand the comedy they're going for um it was it yeah it was you could see I, at least i could see like the character of hector right away and uh and the casting director felicia was like super nice and she just like gave me complete free reign to just like be loose and have fun and she encouraged me to keep going with whatever i was doing so that was really cool and then even on set once i got on set finally rachel was the same way she was like Hey, we're gonna do it a couple times, like by the script, and then like have fun. Like you know, we're, we're, we want to make it a loose, you know, kind of set. And oh, nice. Uh, we just do it by the books first, and then kind of do whatever we want. So after your audition, how long did it take for them to contact you to let you know either they wanted to see you again or that you had gotten the part? I hear I hear stories about it taking. Sometimes it takes weeks. Sometimes it'll take a month, and then sometimes it's like right away. Yeah. Well. They, they had already shot the pilot. Um, I, I, so here's the thing. I was in episode two, and I, I, I would have to say maybe like a week or two after I did the audition, I got cast in it. And I heard stories from like White Josh, uh, who's David Holt plays White Josh, who uh, he originally auditioned for the role of, of Josh, funny enough. And I believe, I think, or maybe, he, yeah, I, I think that's what he auditioned for. Um, and then they, they ended up calling him like way later, like months and months later after he auditioned for that part, after they shot the, the pilot and everything. They're like, hey, they want to actually like cast you for this friend role as White Josh. 
<laughs> yeah, because he had done such a good job in the original audition that they're like, man, this guy's so good. Like, we would, you know, we he, we think he fits in. We just need to figure out a way to make him fit. Right. So they just added him in as a friend. Oh. Uh, that was pretty cool. So, and then the the, the uh, character you play ended up actually being a surfer. Yeah, and then that was even crazier because, yeah, right away, right off the gates, they're like, oh, this is, you know, Hector. He's, you know... I think he said I was a 203rd, and I was like, oh, 202nd, actually. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's it was kind of funny, because once I, I saw that, I was like, oh, I guess they are I guess they are going with the surfer instead of the stoner vibe. Man, look at that. Influencing the script even before you get the part. Yeah. All right, so... I mean, I can't, I can't take too much credit for that. I mean, I'm sure those, those writers, man, every, every writer on the show is, like, super brilliant, so I'm sure they probably already had that in the back of their head. Uh, I don't know. I'm giving you credit for it. I'm going to give you 100% credit for it. So, This is the, the last season of the show, right? Yeah. All right, so I'm not going to ask for any spoilers or any any dirt or anything like that. I, I promise you. But... I can't. I can't promise that. I did ask uh, some listeners for some questions, which I'm going to ask you at the end of the interview. So I can't. I, if I, there are any questions that are about that, I don't take any credit for them. So, but your your character Hector gets is uh he's married and you were married. Did that happen pretty much at the same time? Because it's a pretty seems like a pretty close window. Uh, you know, it's one of those interesting things where like life imitates art, I guess, uh, <laughs> or I guess art imitates life. Uh, yeah, I I got eloped in in June and of this year, and um, eloped. Yeah, it was early in June, and it was right before the season started, the writers' room started, and I remember like telling uh, Rachel about it and. And then she was like, oh, my gosh, congrats. Like, that's so great. And then, like, time passed, and then the season started picking up, and then we went through episode one. She's like, hey, by the way, uh, episode three, like, you know, I, I think you guys are going to, like, get married. And I was like, oh, cool. And then she's like, yeah, but it's going to be like, you guys get eloped, and then, like, you get cause you a wedding, so you end up getting married later on. And it's funny because that's actually what's happening in my real life. And I told her that. I was like, oh, I'm I like – I told you this a while back that I got eloped and I'm doing a real wedding, like, or like a real, like a big ceremony and stuff, uh, later on in March. And she was like, Oh, did you? And I think, I don't know. It must've been like <laughs> some kind of like, subconscious I, thing. Yeah. Subconscious thing or something. Uh, I know she was saying that the, the writers kind of wanted to go that route anyway with, with those characters. Um, so yeah, it must have been. There's just a lot of similarities. I just thought it was super funny. So I, I, once again, not taking credit, but like, <laughs> it's just so funny how those things kind of happen. Yeah, no kidding, man. So now that this show's over, what's next for you? So yeah, we're we're still actually finishing up shooting through the new year and everything. No, see, I've got you March. done already. So <laughs> no, no, yeah, I'm no, jumping still, way ahead. Apparently, yeah, we're still cranking away, man. Um, and, but yeah, in the new year, my, I did a film that did the festival circuit and I'm leaving the film. It's called Flavor of Life and that should be releasing on January 1st. So that'll be pretty dope for oh, man. everyone to finally see that. Yeah, what, that'll be great. All right. What is that about? Uh, yeah, Flavor of Life. I, it's, it's about this, uh, grandpa and grandson who are, uh, they own a, a restaurant, a Mexican restaurant and it's, it's going out of business and they're trying to, uh, they're trying to save it. Okay. 
did now did you write part any of this or was this just something that you got involved with as an actor yeah it was something i got involved with as an actor i um yeah i got they sent me the script and i i, I read it over and i thought there was a lot of uh yeah there, there was just a lot of good family stuff in there that like i feel like i, I don't know I'm, I'm a sucker for like family drama yeah um, and <laughs> And bringing like you know, bringing some light to it. So I saw enough of that. I saw enough conflict. You know, you know, the, the grandson is coming back from jail, and he's trying to get his life straight. So that's why he takes he, he takes a job at the grandpa's restaurant. You know, to try to keep his life back in order. Okay. And uh, yeah, so I mean, it's it, it was very interesting uh, kind of take on on a Latino relationship. Because typically you see, you know, Latinos, Latinos being gangbangers or something or right. being like, yeah, something that usually they're not. And it was really cool to see kind of a redeeming story. Yeah, a, a good positive role for, for Latinos, right. especially like, like you're saying, Latino males. Right, exactly. And you're also working on a documentary, You Break, I Fix. Oh, you you did some digging. Yes, uh, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Is that you still working yeah. on that? Yeah, it's um, so I I actually worked at You Break I Fix uh, early on whenever I first moved to L.A. And I kept on hearing stories from, you know, the, the CEO and the brothers and the, the other employees and the founders. And it was such a cool story. I kept on hearing story after story after story. And every single store that I visited that I worked in, because I, I worked in different stores in, in California, um, it, man, it was just a reflection of the company culture that they had. And I was like, there's got to be something here. Like, what is going on? Like, why is it that I can be friends with any of these people? Oh, you know? Um, and they, they started in Florida. And it's just a crazy how, like, it's just, you know, it's just pollinated all over. So what, um, now they, what kind of company is it? What do they do? They fix laptops and <laughs> this is like an ad for you, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe they'll sponsor uh, yeah, this they, episode. They fix, <laughs> they fix, so it was spelled like with a U. So it's like, you know, uh, instead of like a Y-O-U, it's just the letter U. <laughs> yeah. so the <laughs> nice. I like uh, that. But, but yeah, they, they fix phones, laptops, uh, game consoles, all this stuff. And yeah, I mean, I, I got to see how the, the company worked from the inside. And I, after I got into, you know, faking it and crazy X, I, you know, stopped working there. I was able to work as an actor, but I kept in contact with all those people because they were such good friends. And, um, and then I had some extra time in my hands last, uh, at last hiatus, which ended a lot sooner. Last hiatus, we ended in December. And then I had like January, February free and everything. I was like, oh, you know what? I'm going to tell your guys a story. So I went down to Florida. I recorded a bunch of interviews and found out some really cool stuff. And then I found out, oh, wow, I need to get more interviews. So uh, <laughs> I've just kind of been waiting waiting until we go into hiatus again for Crazy X. And then I'm going to go back down to Florida to get some more interviews with some, uh, some I guess, key people that I kept on hearing stories about. So I'll have to go back there and get, get that. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Now, I... I, I did do some research on you and I, I did read an interview and I wanted to ask you this because it kind of touched on this a little bit in the interview. Uh, but I just want to ask you directly, do you feel like you've made it yet in Hollywood as an actor? 
Because uh, I know you're not uh, getting calls from your parents anymore asking you to come home. Yeah, and, you know, the short answer is yes. Like, yes, I'd like, you know, I, I feel like I made it, but then I think the fascinating part is just the idea of making it. Not to go all artistic or anything like that, but <laughs> I, I remember I remember speaking to the high school students, and they were just like, "It's so it's so fascinating how they view things." And they're like, "How long did it take you to book your first audition? And how did I'm like, you cannot play that game. You can't because you know if you focus on things like you know, oh, where am I in my career opposed to this person, then the things that got you to that point, then you're you're not going to keep progressing. So. To me, I feel like if I ever felt like, oh, sure, I made it, like, to me, that's complacency, right? Okay, right, right. So, uh, but I also have to be aware that, like, yeah, in a sense, like, you know, this is what I do for a living. So technically, as far as, you know, that goes, like, yeah, I made it, but I, we we haven't reached the, I guess, the uh, the, the pinnacle of, of what we're trying to achieve here, you know? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll tell you what. I mean, I think you've made it because... The me- if you think about it, the measure of be- of making it is when you're being interviewed by a middle-aged man on a podcast that he does in his dining room about the musical comedy that's just that's wrapping up. That's pretty much making it. So, congrats. All right, well, then, yeah, thank you. Thank you for the hundred <laughs> Now, I got to ask you one more thing before I get into some of the, my listener questions here for uh, for you. I saw that you you do other things besides acting and one of those is a is an app called busy yes now can you explain what that is and uh where you are in the development of that uh we're actually launching really soon we're, we're in beta we're launching into the app store probably in a week and a half um, oh nice we really want to do it before christmas but yeah that stemmed from you know the show talks about mental illness and depression and all these other things that actually stemmed from my own kind of battle coming to Los Angeles and dealing with a lot of different anxieties, dealing with, you know, it, it's such a, it's such a big city and it's very hard to find time with people and it's very hard to like connect on schedules and there's so many anxieties with like planning stuff, like sending a text message, calling someone, especially if you haven't seen them in a bit. And the first thing you want to think is like, oh man, what if they're busy? What if, you know, and then like you, I don't know. There's just so many anxieties that come with it. Okay. So I got together with some friends and I, I have a, a, a background in graphic design and, and I kind of put together a little prototype mock-up, showed it to some people. They were interested. Um, told my friends like the big picture. I was like, Hey, this is where we can take it. This is all the stuff we can do. But first we got to build this small part of it. And they were on board. So uh, one of them works at Netflix and the other one uh, actually works for you. Break I fix. So they're they're both well versed <laughs> in the they're well versed in the business yes. side of things, and it but, comes full yeah. circle. It comes full circle, man. man. And yeah, it's really <laughs> it's a really cool thing. Hopefully, hopefully, it's one of those things that um, you know it can be one of those actors that transitions into to the whole uh, Silicon Valley tech startup stuff, like an Ashton Kutcher type. There you go. Well, look, I mean, you've got you've got backups for your downtime in acting. So that's, I mean, it sounds to me like things are working out for you. So let me ask you a couple of listener questions here and I'll let you have the rest of your night. Um, I've got uh, from 
at Sarah Kieran's, she's got three questions. She wants to know if Hector has a last name. Oh, <laughs> uh, man, this has been a topic of discussion. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, we, we've actually had this conversation within the cast and, um, we, I think, I forget who brought it up. They brought it up, I think, season three. They're like, because we were talking about, or maybe season two, whenever we first introduced my mom. Okay. They were like, oh, Mrs. Hector's mom. Um, <laughs> they didn't really know what to say. So uh, the solution was instead of giving me a last name, they gave her a first name. Okay. So we technically, we have not had a, a last name. Um it's something that they're still going back and forth on because I, I, they've had it. I, we've had conversations about what it would be, um, but I, I think they're still debating whether or not like they are actually going to reveal it. And if they do reveal it, then how would they reveal it? You know? I hate to so, tell you, um, they're, they're running out of time. Yeah. So that's like part of me is like I don't mind if they don't reveal it because it could be almost like a scrub sting where you never know like really, you know the jan- the janitor situation. Yeah. So I thought it'd be really cool to like you know just have that. You just never know Hector's last name. Um, it, it'd also be really really funny if he like took like Heather's last name or something. You know, <laughs> like I think yeah, his last name's like Davis. So then it's like oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's, wait Hector, what's your last name? It's Davis. It's took Kelly's last name. Look. <laughs> Uh, Sarah also wants to know, how's the insurance working out for him? Oh, it's working out great. Good. I am, uh, yeah, we're, I'm covered for uh, for acupuncture, and it's great. So it's uh, helping out. All right, good. And what is Hector's current state surfing rank? It's gone down. It's, oh. uh, it's, gone, down. it's gone down, unfortunately. It's uh Trust me, he would be the first to tell you if it went up to 201. 203. <laughs> four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, you know, I, <laughs> I remember whenever I first was like, oh, two, 202. I was like, oh, interesting. Uh, and then I started thinking about it. I'm like, who checks that? Like, <laughs> he's like so proud of it. <laughs> like, unless you're in the top 100, like, who checks anymore? You know? Like, well, at that uh, point, I mean, wouldn't like number 205 be like just some dude who gets out and Tries is taking surfing lessons. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so I'm at, like, I believe I'm giving lessons now. That, yeah. I think that's my my thing. I'm Hector's giving lessons, so he's kind of falling off the rank. All right. Um, at Brandy M Torres wants to. Uh, she asked you actually. At first, she wants to say congrats on getting married on and off screen, and then she wanted to know your feelings on closing the Crazy Ex Girlfriend chapter for you. Thank you for the congratulations. Uh, yeah, the it's 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 a little bittersweet. It's it's one of those things where you look back on your like, wow, I've known these people for four seasons, like four years essentially, and you've built these friendships. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's one of those things where we're just trying to focus on enjoying the time now, like you know, any any opportunity we can get, like to hang out, to see each other. Um, off, offset, like we, we try to take advantage of that and we, uh, we, we definitely want to make sure that we're enjoying this time instead of being like, Oh man, it's over. Like yeah. we're, we just want to enjoy it. And then I'm sure it's going to hit us all on the like final episode or second to last episode. It's definitely going to hit us all. So basically so, it's, it's uh, like your senior year of high school. Cause you, you know, the C, the series is ending. It's not like you're just getting canceled. So 
You're just trying to I would compare enjoy it even to our senior year of, of college. Because um, it's a tighter knit group. In high school, there's a, a wider net. And, okay. And, you, and for the most part, most people can go to the same college. Like, you can still pick that. Like, oh, if I'm really good friends with this person, I'm still going to go to this college. But, but once you're in college and you're seniors and you're graduating, you have a closer group of friends. So it's a lot tighter. And you've, you've kind of gone through more of life together. And also, too, you don't have any control over where you're going to work. It's all up to employers. Oh, okay. I, I like that. That's much better. Much better than high school. Oh, shit. I mean, either way. <laughs> All right, um, Brandy has two more questions, and I'll get to them real fast here. She wants to know why uh, Hector and Heather did, didn't did take Estrella with them. That's my oh, Spanish Estrella. accent. Estrella, yeah. She, uh, we had to leave her behind because uh, sea animals can get a little anxious, and they if you if you move them, they can actually, you know, um, they can die. They can die in the moving. We we didn't want to risk her life, so we just said it's better to keep to let her stay put. Um, I know this because I used to work at an aquarium. So <laughs> I, wait, I didn't find that out at all. You used to work in an aquarium? Oh no, no, you always find it here. Like, damn, I I thought I was digging so deep, and I didn't find that at all. There's no way. No, I, I used to work at Legoland, and. I believe it was called Sea Life, yeah, Legoland and Sea Life and Grapevine Mills Mall, and uh, and we had a couple of cases where like animals would would get anxious and they would die in transit, um, and oh, it's just that you know the nature of these, you know, it's like aquariums. I guess it's like a dirty little secret, you know, <laughs> that uh, it just happens, you know, it just happens in, in transit. And she wants to know how is Hector's mom doing with no roommate since he isn't close by. Oh, she's doing great. She's going out every night. She has her friend group. If anything, she's happy that finally everyone's gone. No, I, I've never seen Hector's mom as like someone that gets down whenever he's not around. I feel like she's the life of the party anywhere she goes. Yes, there you go. So I have one last question for you. What was the worst audition you've ever been on? Um, and that'll be the last question of the night, I promise. Worst audition. I mean, man, there's there's been a, like <laughs> I think any and actor can you, you, say they've had a lot. You could look at it two ways. And and I've asked a lot of people this, uh and and I'll give I'll tell you what one of my friends uh mentioned. Did he went in for one audition and you can look at it as your worst performance or the worst thing you could have possibly seen it when you got to the audition. His was he went there not exactly knowing what he what was going on, and they asked him to do a strip tease for him, and they had a stripper pole in the room, <laughs> and they asked him to do a strip tease. So oh, he wow. decided to make it comedic and, and fall over the place, and just but so you can take it either way. Uh, that's actually that's pretty yeah that's pretty rough. Yeah, uh, I would say <laughs> you may know the, this gentleman yeah. too. <laughs> it's uh, it was actually. I would say there was a there was an audition whenever I I went in and I wasn't right for the part. I remember even like reading the script and being like, "Oh, why am I auditioning for this character and not the other character?" Okay, it's fine. <laughs> so I thought it was you know I read it, I memorized it, and I show up, and then the cast director thought I was reading for the other part, and I was like, "No, I'm actually reading for this this part." <laughs> and 
did, but she was like, all right, okay, that's fine. And then she didn't look at me. She didn't, she didn't look up the entire time from the script. Oh. And there was no, there was no camera either. So I was very confused. Oh, that's weird. Um, yeah. And I was, you know, it was one of those things where I was like, you go in and you're, you know, you're trying to focus on the script. And then as soon as I finished, I was like, man, that was, what, what happened there? Like it was, it was bad for me performance wise because I knew that I wasn't right for this part. And she, like, I knew that she knew I wasn't right for it. And then it was also bad because I'm just like, she's not even looking at me. Like what's going on? <laughs> what kind of production was this? Man, yeah, what kind of circus are you auditioning for? Man, Eric, look, I, I will let you go. Thank you so much for spending your evening with me. I really do appreciate your time. Good luck with everything in the future. I'm, I'm anxious to see how everything uh, unfolds for you. And uh, oh yeah, thank you, man. You're awesome. No problem. Thank, yeah. thank you. Hey, and, and good luck with everything, man. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be following you. I'm new to, to Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I really didn't know much about it until... It's funny because as a 45-year-old guy, it, it's not really something I would have been drawn to, but what, what hooked me was your uh, uh, little mo- the monologue about uh, parking, the, the parking garage. <laughs> yeah. That, that uh, cracked me up. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, that's... Yeah, it's it's a completely like I I try to tell my friends because as as soon as they watch it and they get it and they cause originally you're like oh crazy ex girlfriend at the chick show whatever yeah but, uh, but that that drew me in that that made me a fan so thank you for that well no problem man. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.